You're listening to the TV Sports Radio Show. All right, all right, all right. We are back. Welcome to another edition of the TV Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Stephen Hayes, alongside my man's 100 grand partner in crime, Keenan Atchison. Keenan, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm I'm doing great. Maybe not as good as uh, some of these NBA teams doing right now, but um, otherwise, I'm great. I'm doing wonderful. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Trade, trade going down as we start the show, which is cool. I love that. I love that. I'm doing good, man. And we got a special guest today, uh, one of our writers. He is my he's he my man's a hundred grand. Puts in the work. <laughs> Dylan Jesperson, Dylan, man, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm... Dylan is a uh, laid back. That's that's just Dylan. Ever since I've met him, I was just like, man, I'm like Dylan is he just cool. <laughs> I'm like, I love right. him. I have no problem with Dylan at all. So Dylan, I appreciate you uh, taking the time today to hop on the show with us, man. I know you're a big sports fan. Your writing is always excellent. You always put out good content. So I'm excited to hear your point of view today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm just I'm tuned into these trades right now, watching these uh, Woj bombs go off as we speak. That's good. So what we'll do is, because we know it's a trade deadline today, so what we'll do, Dylan, as we go with the show, interrupt at any moment to drop a bomb. We have zero issue with that. So, I got Keenan, you. let's start it off. I'm going to start it off with you. You... You wanted to discuss some interesting topics today. Yes, sir. So we're going to start it off with the NFL. You know, we got the uh, NFL draft coming up. Um, some big trades have won. Not, not a lot, but some big signings have happened. I know Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff was one of the biggest trades, but I don't expect that to be the biggest trade. Um, and I know uh, the Bears letting go of Trubisky. And uh, Buffalo getting them was a big deal. However, you came up with a good concept. You came up with a good concept. You talked to me about it. I loved it. I said <laughs> I'd roll with it. Dylan hopped on board with it. And you decided that we should come up with our own draft for our own favorite teams. That's right. Now, Dylan and Keenan being Lions fans, obviously they have the same <laughs> team. Me, on the other hand, being a Packers fan, you know, I had to do what I had to do. So. Keenan, we're going to start with you. We're going to start with your draft, your mock draft. How did you do as the GM for the Detroit Lions? Who you got? Run them down. All right. Well, what happened on my draft board is um, going into the number seven pick, all of the quarterbacks were off the board, actually, well, um, which, you know, over my course of time of running the my draft boards has happened on more than one occasion. So, there is some sort of likelihood that may just happen when the draft comes up in a, a few more weeks. So uh, what I did was I traded down. I got an offer for um, a gang of picks. Uh, New Orleans offered me for the number seven pick, pick number 28, pick number 60 in the second round, pick 28 in the first round, pick 60 in the second round, pick 98 in the third round, uh, 2022 second rounder and a 2022 third rounder as well for our number seven pick. So I sent the number seven pick to him. They drafted Devontae Smith out of Alabama, wide receiver, Heisman Trophy winner. So I took the number 28 pick. I fell all the way down there. And when I got there, one of the guys I wanted happened to be there. 
which was perfect. I ended up with Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State at number 28. He fell all Ooh. the way down that far. So I was uh, truly giddy about that um, because normally when I run the drafts, I try to get a middle first rounder just in case so I can get Micah Parsons. But sometimes a uh, uh, Jalen Waddle falls down, so I might grab him. But usually it's always between Micah Parsons and uh, and Waddle. Um, so I got Micah Parsons. Then uh, in the second round, the Lions already had the number 41st pick. I traded that to uh, to the Giants for the next pick down, pick 42. So uh, I sent them pick 41, pick uh, 153, I think, is in the fourth or fifth round in exchange for their pick 42 and their pick 116. So I traded that down. They took uh, Jason Owe, edge rusher out of Penn State, with that pick. And then at 42, I was prepared to prepare to draft. I decided to trade down again. I got an offer. I couldn't refuse. So the uh, Washington football team offered me pick 51 and pick number 124. At pick 42, they selected Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones out of Alabama, quarterback, uh, Heisman Trophy finalist, all that good stuff. Uh, I think he won the MVP of the bowl game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I ended up with pick 51 and pick 124. So from there, pick 51, I drafted wide receiver out of um, Purdue, Mr. Rondell Moore, who's, uh, if you didn't see his pro day, you missed it. You missed the treat. He uh he put up some ridiculous numbers. So um I drafted him. You know, I noticed that the Lions have been uh, going after wide receivers that uh are good at separation right now as opposed to possession receivers. So I tried to stick with that uh mindset. At pick uh number 60, I got Elijah Molden, cornerback out of Washington. My idea for him is maybe to run him as a uh a nickelback or either my slot corner. Uh, from there, pick 72, I got Talona Hufanga from USC, safety, strong safety. The Lions need a lot of help on the back end, especially in the safety room, because uh, really all they got is Tracy Walker and uh, uh, Harris. So I think they needed um, a little bit of help back there. Pick number 98, because I did – I traded down some more and got gathered some more picks. Um, so pick 98, I ended up with Dynami Brown, wide receiver from North Carolina, outside receiver, has some burners on him. He can get he can get loose in the open field, a lot of speed on him. So that was intriguing. I couldn't resist. I had to have it. Um, then at pick 101, which is actually from the Matthew Stafford trade, the third rounder they acquired this year, I drafted Tyler Shelvin, D-tackle out of LSU. We need some some bodies up there in the middle of the um, defensive line, especially somebody to play the zero or the one technique. Uh, so you need a nose tackle. You need somebody to man that part of the uh, field. Uh, pick 112, I got somebody that um, – Dylan might even have this guy. He might even drafted this guy. I picked my main man from uh, – from Detroit, Michigan, Mr. Ambry Thomas, cornerback from Michigan. Uh, 
I figure him and Molden can battle it out to play the slot, and then maybe even one of them can take over the number two uh, corner. Or if Jeff Okuda doesn't, you know, blossom, which I think he will, uh, you know, you got some you got some solid corners there to, you know, back him up. Then after that, I just went and bolstered my O-line, pick 116, Adrian um, Ely, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. And then at pick 124, I grabbed the guard, Ben Cleveland, um, guard from uh, Georgia. And after that, all my picks were gone. So the only picks I picked up uh, going into the following year was a second rounder and a third rounder from New Orleans in the 2022 draft. So that's my draft. Okay. And I don't actually have a problem with your draft. I mean, it's your draft, but I like it. Um, I do feel like some of it is uh, still with Matthew Stafford in mind. How so? Some of the O-line. Uh, no. And I know, and I know Jared Goff needs protection, but. Uh, no, see, I'm going to tell you my line of thinking. Vitae has a big contract. So you have somebody back there to develop. And then probably in another year, I think next year, the money goes down as far as a dead cap. You move on from him because that, I mean, obviously he was overpriced. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm done with that. So you develop somebody and, you know, you don't have to pay him immediately. You got it. You got a couple of years before you have to pay out, shell out. So. Well, and that's, I guess for me, that's why I say with Matthew Stafford in mind, because they got him overpaid him to protect Stafford. Correct. You know what I mean? So that's why I say a little bit of that. But um, I do like your your draft. I like your mock draft. Uh, we're going to stick with the Lions, and we're going to go with Dylan. All right. <laughs> Dylan, uh, being a guest of the show, you got your mock draft ready, my man. Run it down. Who you got? Absolutely, absolutely. So we're definitely a few similarities with what Keenan's got. Uh, when you look at a Lions draft as a Lions fan, you have to look at it like two ways is the way I look at it is the way that you would do it and the way you know the team's eventually going to mess it up. That's that's what it's like being a Lions fan. So I looked at it, I looked at it through my eyes, but just know if you're looking to listen to this as a Lions fan, doubtful that this is how well it goes. But I, I so starting off round one, I also traded back my first pick, the or the seventh pick. I got uh, I got a deal with Tennessee for the twenty second pick, the fifty third pick, the eighty fifth pick, and then a second and fourth round for next year. So Ooh. with that, oh, you uh, got eight, some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I got I got some good good picks. Uh, not not too far back, uh, and there were some good guys available. But they took Jalen Waddle with that pick, which is pretty good. But uh, uh, I'm not looking for the Lions to spend big mo- first round money on a wide receiver this year. I don't think we're we're ready to compete yet. So I uh, I went with Christian Barmore, the D tackle of Alabama. Uh, I was trying to figure out. It's tough. Also, as a Lions fan, we're trying to figure out what the coaching staff is going to look like and what our schemes are going to look like. Uh, it looks like we're going to be running a three four type of technique, so he might be a, a really good spot as that off D tackle in that role in the next uh, next coming years. Running off uh, not in the nose tackle spot, but one of those other outside spots. Uh, so with pick forty one in the second round, uh, if we are running that three four technique, I want to go with athletic linebackers someone that can get out in coverage, but also rush the passer. Pa- rush the passer. 
So I went with Baron Browning, the linebacker out of Ohio State. I love me uh, some Big Ten defenders, uh, and I've seen this dude play. The Ohio State linebackers, if you never saw them, were the most athletic in the country. Uh, probably right up there with Alabama and Clemson, if not better. And, and Browning was the guy in the middle of it. So I want uh, a guy that can get out and cover guys while also uh, be tough to cover or stop in the pass rush. Uh, with the 53rd pick, I also went with Rondell Moore out of Purdue. I saw that dude play a bunch in uh, in college, and he is when he's on, he is one of the toughest guys to guard. Um, at five foot seven, I'm a little bit scared, but I think with the pro day that he had, uh, I think it was like a 42 and a half inch vertical and a 4.29 40 yard dash time. Uh, you can't pass on a guy like that, even if even in the second round, I think you got it. Snatch, snatch a guy up like that if you've got the chance. So moving on to the third round, I've got pick 72, and I, uh, I took Javon Holland, the safety out of Oregon. Uh, the Lions lost Justin Coleman this offseason, and I like how he could run kind of that nickelback spot, but also fill in that safety if you needed him. Uh, Holland is a really, like, he is the next type of guy that's going to do that, uh, kind of a hybrid between a nickelback and a safety, and if you're a Michigan fan, uh, we, we love those types of guys. Jabril Peppers was that type of guy. Uh, Kalik Hudson was that type of guy. Uh, I love those types of guys that can not only play uh, in that nickel spot, but also step back and make hits and make plays on the ball uh, when it's in the air. So I like Javon Holland for that spot. I had three third-round picks, and I really love that. So I got uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky, uh, he's more of a raw guy, but a lot like Baron Browning athletic can get out and cover while also get downhill, uh, rush the passer. And with pick one one I also have Tyler Shelvin out of LSU. That's a big nose tackle type of guy. If we're running that three, four spot, uh, that's a snacks Robinson type of guy that can fill in be that, you know, you're not going to move him off the middle of the ball and, uh, that's if, if I'm the Lions, I'm, I'm taking a guy like that. If you've got Barmore and Shelvin in the middle of your defensive line, that's going to be tough uh, for opposing defense or opposing offensive lines for the next couple of years. In round four, I also went with a corner, but Ambry Thomas was not available, unfortunately. Uh, so I went with Paulson Adebo from Stanford. He's a corner. Uh, if you looked at him after his freshman year, he probably was a first or second round pick, uh, was a semifinalist for the Thorpe award was really good at Stanford. Uh, but then had a couple of up and down years, uh, kind of fell down in the draft in his draft stock before opting out last year. But I think if he gets back on his freshman year type play, uh, he could play that outside corner, maybe the second corner and, uh, opposite of Okuda. And that could be really good with uh, with them moving forward if you've got two really strong outside corners. And then my last pick with 153, uh, I went with Wap Fillier, wide receiver out of Indiana. We lost Jamal Agnew this offseason, our return specialist. Uh, I think Wap Fillier could really be that guy to step into Jamal Agnew's role just right off the bat. Uh, I like drafting return specialist. I think that's a, a legitimate spot that you need to, to draft. If you're, if you're looking at the most athletic guys, if you're looking for a guy to really boost your special teams, you're going to do it in the draft or 
because in free agency, you're going to pay top dollar or in a trade, it's really not going to be worth it. So to address that role uh, in the draft, I think is the, is the best scenario going forward. So, and that's where I, yeah, where the lions are done at round 50 or round five, at pick 153. Uh, did a lot of defense. Uh, I think the Lions defense. Yes, you did. <laughs> the de- Lions defense needs a lot, and that's I needed. I can't expect the Lions to actually do this, but hopefully, something along these lines. Pretty similar, but opinions. Your picks was good. Uh, I I think on the defensive side of things is definitely. Uh, so if you combine your draft with Keenan's draft, then you've essentially fixed the majority of the problems. Because you got you getting your O line, you know what I mean, together, and then you're getting your defense back together, especially with uh, what was the line uh, Davis leaving? Um, was is was that his last name? Jared Davis, yeah, Jared, Jared Davis went to the Jets. Jets. Yeah, so you know, and you and he was a solid piece for them. Um, you know, so I I think it was some some good drafts. Now, me on the other hand, I did zero trades and I got a lot of offers. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I never picked my phone up. I didn't want to talk to anybody. You real? I just was. Yeah, I was. I was because I just feel like the Packers completely bombed the last draft. Uh, And Dylan, I text Keenan just my first pick. I was like, you never guess who I picked my first pick. And he was like, who did you get? A wide receiver. I said, nope. So for me, this is this is not drafting how the Packers are going to draft, this is how I would like to see them draft. Because I would love for them to admit, even though he has not played, that the Jordan Love was not necessarily a good move. All the while still thinking of in the future. Um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, as much as I love Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's going to be um, – I mean, you can't – he's not going to be there forever. So you can't sit there and bank on it and then get in a situation like uh, Tampa Bay, where you never draft. Then Brady decides to leave. Then you don't have a quarterback. I love Cam Newton, but even still, you didn't have a quarterback in place. And then all the quarterbacks that you had in place, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, all those guys, you you know, you let go because Brady was still the train was still rolling. So, um, I, I I really just went on. I went with this one with just me and mine, <laughs> and and. The way I would love to see them draft, but to start it off, um, my first pick, pick twenty nine, I took Mac Jones out of Alabama. I took Mac Jones out of Alabama. I really feel like uh, the Jordan Love pick was not good, especially since claims have come out. And I know I and I could wholeheartedly eat all these words, but especially since claims have come out that. Uh, he has not been looking good. And where he's supposed to be progressing, he's not. He, uh, it's taken him much longer to figure this thing out. So with that being said, I took Matt Jones. I'm not, I'm 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 just gonna run it down. I took Matt Jones because I really felt like um the quarterback situation needed to be readjusted, readjusted because I just I don't understand how why they did it. And to Keenan's point, he reminded me that Rodgers did look skeptical the last couple of years but I also reminded him I said well that was a uh whatever was going on between him and Mike McCarthy and then that was coming into Matt LaFleur's system for the first year so things had to get adjusted because if you remember 
this is the first time we've seen Aaron Rodgers with a, a coaching sleeve on because he had to get adjusted to the system. So uh, pick number 62. I thought of protection for Rodgers because he don't have none, uh, especially with letting go of uh, the center, Lindsley. So um, I didn't I went with a, a guard, though, but I did go with uh, Deontay Brown from Alabama. And I like him. And I know he's lost. I think he's lost a couple of pounds. I think he lost 20 pounds since the senior bowl. Um, so a little more agile. He's able to move a little bit more. Um, well, my 92, 92nd pick, nine, number pick number 92, Keenan, Dylan. You, this might put a smile on your face. He was there, and I know we need one. I took Nico Collins, wide receiver out of Michigan. I was like, oh, okay, he's still here. I took Nico Collins, nice size on him. Um, I feel like he would be perfect in, in, in deep ball situations, but all going across that middle if they need to, he's a solid side, and he can hold on to the ball. Uh, Devontae Adams got size, but Alan Lazard is really the only big receiver that they have. Uh, Valdez Scantlin, obviously, is for speed, and Equinemia St. Brown really didn't get a chance to play like that. They didn't really throw the ball to him that much. So I went with Nico Collins. Uh, pick number 135, I went with Bobby Brown, DT out of Texas A&M. Um, on that defensive side of things, I really feel like we're going to have to adjust the, uh, address the situation because you got Zadarius Smith, you got Preston Smith, and all those guys, but you don't know what they're going to do with them. Um, I know Zadarius Smith mentioned he wants to be a Packer for the rest of his career, but and I know Preston Smith, they don't really want to pay him. So you got to figure out what you want to do there. Um, sticking with the defense, number 142, I went with Garrett Wallow, linebacker out of TCU. Uh, huge uh, aspect of our defense that needs to be addressed because we cannot stop the run game. <laughs> and that is one of the main things that we lack is we haven't had a linebacker, what since Clay Matthews, we had Nick Barnett and all, but we we haven't had a solid linebacker who could be as versatile. And I think Wallow would need some time to get adjusted to the NFL and maybe just a little bit more size on him, but he's still agile. I still like him as uh moving forward. Number 173, Keenan, this is gonna put a smile on your face. Dylan might like it too, because I think he did a pro day with him. He was there. I took Trey Brown out of Oklahoma. I took Trey Brown out of Oklahoma because was not expecting them to resign Kevin King. However, they did. <laughs> but I do feel Trey Brown is fast as lightning, uh, has all the capabilities to be a shutdown corner. And I do feel like in a situation where I forbid that uh, King or Alexander get hurt. But if you do, if King does get hurt, I feel like if Trey Brown gets in there, they are good to go. I feel like him on one side of that ball and Alexander on the other side, I feel like they are some shutdown corners moving forward. I mean, Alexander already is, but I feel like Trey Brown can adapt and, and, and grab that mantra as well. Uh, number 178, I went with the uh, wide receiver out of USC, Tyler Vaughns. I went with Tyler Vaughns. Um, once again, looking at that receiving core, I, I went with the – Keenan, I stuck with the homegrown. Um, stuck with the homegrown, but adding the wide receivers might make for some good trade bait. 
So depending on what we look at, depending on what we're moving with, you know, trade bait was there. Um, and who else did I go with? Oh, pick 214 because I, I, I was getting calls left and right, and I just did not pick up the phone. But this was another issue on the defense that I feel in the long run is going to need to be adjusted. I went with Paris Ford out of Pittsburgh, the safety. I like him. Um, I think he had – when we got beat on that deep ball in the NFC Championship, uh, Keenan, what was uh, – who did Brady throw it to before the half? Uh, that was uh, Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller. When we got beat on that deep ball and it was just uh, – it, like, it was like playing literally backyard football. With didn't, your little cousin. Uh, didn't Kevin King bite on the bite on the move? He, he bit. Okay. He bit like he was starving. <laughs> so <laughs> he was hungry. Yeah, he was hungry. So uh the safety, like I said, the safety situation needs to be addressed. I do like Jackson back there, but I don't know. And, I mean I like and I like uh uh Amos, but I don't Amos doesn't have the speed that I like. He has the the hits, he can tackle, but the speed is not quite there. So, depending on the situation, that's why I took Ford. Going back to the offense, pick 220, I took Josh Ball out of Marshall, offensive tackle, because, once again, we need to beef up that O-line. Um, Rodgers needs some protection. And then pick 256 to end it, uh, Grant Stewart, linebacker out of Houston. That's who I went with. And like I said, linebacker situation, Stewart, I like him. I thought everything about his game was decent. I had to do – I looked at some of his highlights, too, to see. Once again, maybe not off the bat could come in there and be a run stopper, but he can grow into being one. So if you went with the homegrown situation and, and internally grew, I think you could be – this draft pick – these draft picks would have been solid, but it's also some decent trade bait. Um I was I was actually kind of surprised. I don't know how many people are high on Nico Collins, but I was kind of surprised that he was still there. So I went and grabbed him because I love his size. I do. I really like his size. So that was my mock draft for the Packers. How how bad did I do, fellas? I, I like the fact that the the guys that went into the draft with Jared Goff as their quarterback both both passed on <laughs> Mac Jones because I think I had <laughs> Mac Jones there in the second round too. And yeah, the and it's there, crazy. The guy with Aaron Rodgers has Mac Jones in his first round. That's it's just interesting, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's crazy because this is when Aaron Jones when Aaron Rodgers got drafted, everybody was upset. Brett Favre was obviously upset, but Brett Favre was not looking like the Brett Favre of all. Only thing Brett Favre was looking like was the Iron Man. Like he could still go in there and he could still compete. Uh, so to Keenan's point. Aaron Rodgers was looking skeptical, looking skeptical. Now, remind you, being a Packers fan, we've been spoiled. We have not had many quarterbacks. So no, I'm looking at no, a quarterback no. for the Don't say we have been spoiled. You have been spoiled. You've only had <laughs> I said, two... as a Packers fan. You, I said, as you, a Packers fan. Literally, you have only had two quarterbacks almost your entire lifetime. Literally. So, I mean, but when you think about quarterbacks, when they talk about quarterbacks, it literally goes Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, they don't want to talk about Don Mikowski and uh, Lynn Dickey no. back in the day, huh? No, they, you don't, don't, want, they you don't, don't want to talk that. about them days. And Doug, and Doug Peterson bagging up Brett Favre for all those years. 
He did. That's what it is. Hey, hey, look, and he had he had Mark Brunell in that that quarterback room. He had, yeah, he had Aaron Mark Brooks. Uh, yeah, and who else was in there? Wasn't uh, wasn't Kurt Kurt Warner was there on the practice squad no. or something like that? Kurt Warner. No. Kurt Warner was part Kurt of that. Was a there. part of that. Yeah. What year? Uh, I couldn't tell you the exact year, but I think he he was on um uh, one of their squads at one point in time. He might have came okay. in like for a camp or something like that. He might have been a camp body, but yeah. Okay. But and I'm looking at it like what well, to Dylan's point too. Like I said, I'm thinking the quarterbacks for the future because Brett Favre was an Iron Man. Aaron Rodgers is seemingly an Iron Man. He has been hurt, but he hasn't. He ain't injured prone by any stretch of me. He, he played. He suits up majority of the game. Um, and I feel like as we move forward, you need a quarterback who you can put out there and say, okay, this is the quarterback of the future. And that's why I went with Mac Jones. Like I said, Dylan, I don't like Jordan Love. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like the Jordan jo- Love. Draft. Jordan gets no love. He get Jordan gets no love. Um, and I do, I thought it was funny because I figured you were uh, going to go with the Lions, Dylan. And I knew Keenan was going with the Lions. But when I saw Mac Jones there, I was like, that's why I text Keenan. I said, you'll never guess who I picked my first uh my first round. I took Mac Jones, man. I do. I, I took Mac Jones because I think Mac Jones um has a high ceiling. And I told Keenan I love the gunslinger mentality that he has. I do. I really like the gunslinger mentality. So that suits what uh Matt LaFleur is doing over there. Um, because he wants a pocket passer. Just move, be mobile when you have to be. But I don't want you to be mobile all the time. So that's why I went with it. So yeah, and uh, I, I hovered over Mac Jones for a good minute or two. I, I wanted to take him. I want, especially with him dropping to the second round in my draft. I was like, oh, I got it. I got to at least snatch him up because uh, I'm not, I'm not sold on Jared Goff being the future of the team at all. But they seem to be. They've already restructured his contract and seem to be on the way to giving him the reins of the franchise. So. Uh, I'm one of those guys that says, if you're not going to take a quarterback with your first pick, if you're going to trade back, then you're not taking the quarterback regardless. You don't have your guy. So uh, I'm, I like Mac Jones. I think he is a steal uh, for that deep in the first round, especially with, uh, you know, I think two or three years ago, he'd probably be the first quarterback off the board if it wasn't for the way that the NFL is kind of going with the RPOs and stuff like that. But I think he's definitely talented enough to be an NFL quarterback where I, I, I just think the lions are a couple of years away from drafting their next guy. Uh, so we're going to have to probably just stick it out with golf right now. The only thing I did, I, I was looking in the third round. I wanted to take Kellen Mund out of Texas A&M. I, I, I thought that was a, a Russell Wilson type pick where you, you get a guy in the okay. third round. You're not really sold on him. You've got someone else, but you're ready to go to him once golf inevitably lets you down because we know that's going to happen. So I was ready. I was ready to take him. Unfortunately, someone took him like two picks before I did. So that was, uh, that was where I took uh, Davis out of Kentucky, but. I have two theories on, on Jared golf. Cause one on the one end. Yes, it does look like they really give him the ranks on the other. Maybe they are just, signing him long-term or keeping him long-term as a good backup option. But no, but this is what I'm saying. I know he's not going to be a backup, but if you can look up with these draft picks that you got, because you're going to get time to see how golf progresses. 
to Dylan's point, we know it's going to be a yo-yo situation. Sometimes he's up, some the, the majority of the time he's down. But depending on a new change, um, a new change of scenery and how things go. But I feel like you will have that that year to evaluate. Like, okay, what do we want to do now? I don't feel they traded for Jared Goff to say he's going to be the quarterback of the future, but it does seem that way. Because if I'm the Lions and if Jared and I don't think you're looking at, I hope you're not looking at this season, looking to compete. But if I'm the Lions and I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, well, we still got a chance. So we can still, we still got a quarterback in our future if we want to. I think the main thing is with, uh, with them restructuring Jared Goff, it doesn't necessarily handicap you to buy, to buy, to um, draft a quarterback this particular season. You might want to sit back, you know, obviously your record is going to be terrible. I mean, you know, cause you're in a rebuild. So you'll probably be drafting, uh, we'll say within the top top 10 of next year or so. So maybe you got a, your eye on somebody for next year, like um, Sam Howell from North Carolina, say, for instance, um, somebody with a lot of potential. And, you know, that's probably viewed as of right now, probably the number one guy going into next year. But, um, you know, with the Jared Goff thing, the only thing, really it tells me but you kind of it it was twofold because by you restructuring you're telling teams out there okay we're not going to draft a quarterback this year so you kind of hinder your trade leverage a little bit with your first round draft pick in order to trade you know to trade down so I think that's one thing me personally I want to try I want the Lions to draft Trey Lance that's that's who I really want um either him or or Zach Wilson but as of right now, it's looking like e- either one won't be there or both won't be there. But um, and then also with uh the Jared Goff situation, you know that he's you know now you know he's going to be here for at least two years because I think the cap hit goes down in um a whole lot like in twenty twenty three I want to say so you know you got him here for the next two seasons at least so it's uh the 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 golf restructure was like a catch twenty two you. You're damned if you don't, and you're damned if you do. So I think they should have just held off um, to restructure them until after the draft. But I understand you want to try to get some more players in free agency. I think they just signed um, Alex Anzalone yesterday. So, uh, you know, to get more athletic in the, in the linebacking core. But, um, yeah, so with the Jared office, he's here for two years. We're just going to have to roll with it. I don't think this is a popular opinion in Detroit, but I if Justin Fields falls to seven, I hope we take him. Uh, I'm a I'm a guy that loves to take guys that I've seen, especially in person. When I saw Ohio State play Michigan, obviously, you know, they're they're talented, way more talented than Michigan at about every level. But I just remember specifically one play. I saw Justin Fields scrambling to his left. Uh, turned his body back to his right side, threw off his back foot a 50-yard strike and just beat Metellus over his head. And he did it with ease. And I, I was like, that that's an NFL quarterback right there. I, I haven't seen that type of throw in Michigan Stadium in a very long time. So I, I, I think that given an I, I said this a few weeks ago. I think given equally competent franchises drafting them, I think Fields will be a better pro than Zach Wilson. Just athletic-wise, I, I do think 
if 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 Wilson gets a better situation, he could definitely become better. Uh, but I think athletically, I think Fields. Uh, if the, if on even playing Fields, I think Fields would uh, would edge him out. So I I hope he drops to at least seven, and and the Lions take a look at him. And I guess if you're looking at the situation of where the Lions are to Keenan's point, yes, you have. Uh, you know, you have at least a year or two to figure out what you want to do with Jared Goff. The Lions are, I guess, I'm I'm thinking about it, they are in a win-win situation. Because if Jared Goff does bad, you win because you knew this. You're like, like, okay, well, you knew he was going to do it, so now let's figure out where we go. And if you can get a draft, if you can get a quarterback to fall at seven, like a Justin Fields, you win. If Jared Goff does good, and you still have that pick and you can go a different route, you win. So I think they looked at it as a win-win situation, which was which was the right way to look at it, to give up Matthew Stafford. No disrespect to Matthew Stafford, but I always hear this talk about, especially from one particular uh, commentator, about how Matthew Stafford is one of the greatest quarterbacks you've ever seen. Okay, that's fine. Um, but to give up Matthew Stafford and to get Jared Goff, who has been to a Super Bowl, and two draft picks in return, you won that trade all day, every day, no matter how you want to look at it. So while I think Matthew Stafford is the gunslinger that uh, McShay wants, I don't think now because he's so beat up, I don't think he's the the, mo- the mobile quarterback that uh, McShay wants. However, I don't think Jared Goff was either. <laughs> I mean, McVay. Is it McShay? McVay. McVay. Yeah, McVay. So uh, I don't think it was either. I don't know what happened with them. I'm not getting into that. That's none of our business. But I just don't think when he was out there playing that year, they went to the Super Bowl. Goff looked good. He did. He looked good. But. Like I said, just moving forward, it was just like, uh, we're just going to take a step back and kind of readjust the situation. But I do think if golf plays well, you still have the draft picks in your hand. You can still figure out what you want to do there. But if he plays bad, you still have the draft picks in your hand. And like with Dylan, like if he could, if, if Fields falls at seven, I would take him. I really would. I would take him. Um, Fields reminds me of a Russell Wilson. Kyler Murray style quarterback. Um, so if Fields is there, I, I, I would take him. Keenan, I would. I, I have no objection to taking Justin Fields. I okay. mean, right. I, I really, I think all all it is for me is that I want one of the top four quarterbacks. That's it. That's all I want. Just give. Can I have one of the top four quarterbacks? And I'm 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 happy. Um, but yeah, with uh, yeah, Jared Goff, you know. And like you said, it is a win-win because if he looks good, hey, who's to say you can't use him for trade bait because you didn't ate away like right. a, a nice chunk right. of his salary, a nice chunk of that uh, contract. So I mean, it yeah. is a win-win. Um, and if he if he looks terrible, then hey, you're gonna you're tanking, which you know I enjoy, and you you get a higher draft pick. So hey, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm great. Before we move on. 
Dylan, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dylan. No, ahead. yeah. So as the lifelong Lions fan, I will put the the one loss into the air that I'm sure that they can accomplish somehow. Uh, what I see, not necessarily is going to happen, but is very possible, is that Goff doesn't necessarily play better or worse than he did in L.A. He kind of just plays as well as he did, and they win about seven games next year and get a get like a 13th or 14th pick and and that's that is what i don't want so if he is if he's even average they need to put him on the bench because i i i want i want to rebuild next year i don't even want to try to compete but if i mean if he's lights out for the first few games you know let's do it let's see what we've got but if he's even slightly above average or at average put him on the bench and let's go get another draft pick next year Dylan, you might have just answered my question. I was, I was just going to ask you before we move on. As a GM, Dylan, are you a tanker? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially, oh, my God. <laughs> that's, how, that's how pro sports is nowadays. I don't think there is any – I don't think there is a middle ground anymore. I, I don't think there's any point in being the the last team on the playoff bubble or competing to just make the playoffs. There is – you're just a middle of the pack team and you're going to spend two or three more years extra on your rebuild. If you're, you know, dragging it out. I think that's what happened with, if you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, that's their problem right now is that they've got John Morant, they've got Jaron Jackson, but they've got nothing else left. Uh, and it's because they spent so many years with Marcus all and Mike Conley, not just trying to be the fifth best team in the Western conference. I agree to an extent but to your point I guess you would have to tell the Pittsburgh Steelers that because I I don't agree with keeping Ben I don't uh Keenan is a tanker through and through uh thank you Dylan I, I appreciate that he's a diehard tanker I'm not a tanker however I feel like okay so let's take the Warriors um you look at the Warriors, you, look, you, you lost KD, Clay is hurt. Um, you know where you are. You got Wiseman. So they knew they couldn't compete. So it wasn't, I mean, it, it, it would have been, if Clay and Steph was healthy, they would have won more games, but it was no way they were going to compete with that roster. Like, it just was no way. So I guess from that standpoint, they wasn't looking at it as a tank. If they would have had Steph and Clay for the full season and Draymond, but it still would have been like, okay, we're just not as good as we were. We just got to kind of rebuild. But when Steph got hurt, they were just like, okay, well, you know, let's go ahead. So I'm okay with it in that regard. That's why I guess for me, I'm looking at the Jared Goff situation to what Dylan said, like, okay, what are, what are you going to do if he is playing good? So let's say 4-0. and Let's say they start off 4-0. and I'm just giving you a scenario. Let's say they start off 4-0. What is your decision? I mean, I if you can compete, you compete. Uh, I think it's a lot easier, like, when you look at the Warriors' perspective, like, I think when you have proven winners on your team, like, they have Curry, they have Clay, So it, it's easier for them to say, all right, we can still compete at some point. Uh, just because these guys are out, it's not, uh, not going to be our year. But they have guys on their roster – 
the Lions have never had that guy on their roster. It, it has not. We have never had a winner at any on any point in our roster at any part of our, our organization and any part of our coaching staff. So, but my whole life we've been just competing for playoff for that last playoff spot. I think that's that has been our goal since I've been a Lions fan is just competing for that last playoff spot. So, I mean, if you're four and zero, you know, definitely run it, go for it. But as soon as you're even looking like you might be eliminated or you're going to be a wild card team. I'm more than happy with pulling out and going for draft picks and figuring out what you've got uh, going in the future. Because I mean, you can look at the Lions roster; you know they're not they're not gonna win a Super Bowl this year. Absolutely. So if you go four and zero, Dylan, and then you go four, then you lose four. You go four, and so you're right there at the brink. You just pull golf. Yeah, depending on what we have behind him, because I know we. I know Chase Daniel left, uh, so we don't. They got Tim Boyle. (laughs) (laughs) I mean that that is tanking. That is tanking. If we're we're talking about tanking, that is tanking. So they got Tim Boyle. I'm I'm not. I I'm not one of those people that say keep keep competing just to keep me happy. I would rather you lose with a plan than uh, compete with no plan. Is my thought process. I can respect that. I can respect that, Keenan. I can tank. respect your I can respect tank your on. method to agree to a degree. No, I can respect your method to a degree. I can respect it to a degree. Hey, and so, then uh, uh hey with, with my draft, I, I just uh got a notification that uh Michael Parsons just ran a sub four four at his pro day for a two hundred and forty five pound man. So yeah. That's pretty good. That's yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. That's I think I want good. that guy. So I'm glad we got that out the way. Uh, leaving it there with the NFL. Uh, we got some Wolves bonds to get into with the NBA, man. We got something that's been happening. Um, I know Dylan told us right before we started the show uh, that the Bulls and the Magic made a trade. Um, and I forgot, Dylan, who was it for? Because I actually forgot who it was for. Uh, so Nikola Vucevic is going to the Bulls for Wendell Carter Jr. and two first round picks and the Magic while we were talking about our drafts also dealt Vucevic or not Vucevic Fournier to Boston for two second round picks so Orlando is in the midst of selling their team it sounds like because Aaron Gordon is still on the block as well well Aaron Gordon's on deck and he will be moved um going to be interesting yeah that'll be interesting so i like the four-year trade to boston i like the Vucevic trade to chicago and orlando knew they had to do this because it, it was nothing else for them to do so um but levine there getting the big man like that who can pass that ball um uh evan Fournier who can shoot which boston desperately needs right now the celtics really need some shooting so I think that'll be perfect. Uh, Keenan, speaking of NBA, mm-hmm. before we get into the trade deadline, I want to get into something. Uh, Draymond Green came out and said he was the best defender 
of all time. He said it on a podcast. Uh, the war, it was a Warriors podcast. But I, I want to make sure I get the correct source name, but yeah, he said he was, he said he was the best defender of all time. I'm going to let you and Dylan go at it before I give my opinion. Keenan, your thoughts first, please. Uh, as much as I love Day Day and as much as I love Draymond Green, he is absolutely out of his mind for thinking he is the best defender of all time. Uh, so now we got to act like, you know, I'm from, I'm from an era. I watched 80s NBA basketball. Uh, you know, I watched Jordan hit, hit his peak. Um, I was there for the bad boy Pistons and I remember the Pistons Celtics and, and the Lakers all going at it for championships and whatnot. And, you know, I saw what Dumars and the bad boys was doing to Jordan, who was, you know, the greatest player ever. I saw how they were defending them. Um, Dennis Rodman, it might be one of the greatest defenders ever. I seen Gary Payton defend. Gary Payton was my guy. Um, Scotty Pippen was a great defender. Uh, let's see who else I can. Kobe was a great defender. Hey, even MJ himself was a great <laughs> defensive player. Ben Wallace, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, Dwight Howard, uh, Bruce Bowen, even uh, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, it's some really great defensive players. And then, I, how can I leave out Tony Allen? Um, even a uh, KG Kevin Garnett, great defenders great defensive players for him to even, you know, utter them words. It's like Draymond, you must not been thinking before you said that. So I don't even think they, they might be in my top 20, 25 defenders ever, but he's definitely not, not number one. What you, uh, what you think Dylan? Yeah. Well, first I want to know like what's going on in the Warriors PR department right now, because there was also that Kerr, quote the other day where he's like I would I had more fun winning 15 games than I did winning the title with Durant and right so I'm not sure what's going on in Golden State right now yeah I I don't even think Draymond's the best defender in the league right now I think Kawhi is definitely a better defender uh I mean he's twice locked up LeBron in the finals uh finals matchups uh, I think uh Sometimes players get a little too involved in like what the conversation has always been in the media is like, oh, who's the best defender? Who's the greatest player? Draymond is unique in his own right. Uh, There has never been a player like Draymond who is a legitimate triple-double threat without scoring. Uh, you can you can legitimately think you know expect him to get a triple-double or or look for a triple-double from him with. 10 steals or 10 blocks, something crazy like that. So he doesn't need to be the best defender of all time because he's not. Like you said, there's plenty of guys that outrank him, but he is unique in his own right in this new age style of of basketball where you need forwards that can pass the ball and can defend one through five. Um, I think he, you know, he's one of the most unique defenders of all time, but to say he's one of the great, he doesn't, he's not top five for me. I don't even think he's, the, he, he's one, he's two or three in the league right now, but yeah, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on with Golden State that they can just, you know, say whatever they want and, and, and uh, 
Because it's wild. Uh, some of these quotes have been ridiculous. So, to, it, might still, it might still be that championship hangover. You know, they still still uh, count them titles. To Dylan's defense, or I guess in Steve Kerr's defense, he came out and said that that was a that was taken out of context. Uh, he had to, of course. So I have to give him. The, I mean, he said it. I have to tell him. I mean, he said it. So. Um, he said it was taken out of context. Uh, this morning, Ron Artest came out and said he agrees that Draymond is one of the best defenders. He said he went over, watched some tape. Ron Artest. Wait a minute. Said, wait a minute. Before you go any further, that's another guy that's one of the best defensive players ever right. is Ron Artest. So, you know, for I think Ron Artest is just being humble because Metal World Peace is a real humble guy. So I think that's what that is about. So he he literally said um, uh, he will put him top five all time. Now, my take on this is an interesting take. I like Dede. I do. I think he is one of the best defenders. To Dylan's point, um, he could give you that triple-double without scoring. So... I guess you got two ways you could look at this. You can either say, are we talking strictly just the defender? Like, boom, because he, would he, how many, he has only won one defensive player of the year or two? Uh, I think he either, he either has just one or he, he might have two, but I think he only has one. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Let's look up Draymond Green's stats right now to make sure that we know what Draymond Green has. I don't want to call this off the wrong way. So, for Draymond Green, he has some accolades. Uh, he's a two-time, you know, he's he's a one-time defensive player of the year, which is in 2017. Three-time NBA All-Defense first team, two-time NBA All-Defense second team. Uh, he's only been All-NBA uh, second and third, third team, which was 2016 and 17. This is where it gets tricky for me. He could he could guard one through five. He really can. Like, what? I'm before I even go into that. Dylan and Keenan, do you agree he can guard one through five? Absolutely, absolutely. He's one of the. Most, that's what makes him so unique. His, his, I think he's the best at guarding one through five. I think he can guard all all positions just as well. Okay, so you take that he can guard one through five, and you put. Uh, let's go back to the days of Hakeem Olajuwon, which is arguably, which by far, best defender. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon was amazing. Yeah, uh, Elijah Wan is the best center I've ever seen. Yeah, play. yeah. Easy. I mean, uh, that's what I meant. Center, center. You got Hakeem Elijah Wan, David Robinson, uh, Dennis Rodman, uh, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was a beast on the defensive end. Set aside Hakeem Elijah Wan because he was unique. <laughs> he was he was different. Hakeem Elijah Wan was different to be a center. Set aside him, I think. Draymond should have changed up what he said and put not all time, but of this generation. And I feel he is the best defender of this generation. Okay. I, I can I can go along with that 
Um, I would say this current generation, yes, he he would be. I would throw Clay in the mix, and I would probably even throw a. You know, you got to throw Rudy Gobert in there as well. Well, I'm um, only giving Draymond because he can go one through five. But yeah, he can go one through five. So yeah, that's why you, I'm giving him the best of this generation. It's it's easy. You know who else could probably go one through five? Anthony cool. Davis might be able to go one through five too. Anthony Davis can, but he hasn't really showcased how good of a defensive player he really is. Mm. He hasn't because Draymond has like Anthony Davis has to focus on offense. Like Draymond has to. This is his job. To be a what one of them uh was it this year? Correct me if I'm wrong. He had 19 assists. I'm not Draymond. sure. I'm not sure if that was this year, but but he had, he had a career high 19 assists. Um, I know that has nothing to do with his defensive end, but I'm just showing like to Dylan's point how unique he is. But you, I think sometimes, I guess I can agree with Ron Artest on this. In this regard, I guess sometimes we get caught up in looking at back in the day, like the Ben Wallaces and all those cats, but they couldn't guard one through five. They could not. They couldn't guard three through four, three through five, because ben, ben Wallace really couldn't guard past, depending on who that three was. Because uh, I, I think Rod, Rodman might have been able to do one through no, five. No, Rodman was, Rodman definitely could guard one through five. Rodman could guard one through five, but put Rodman in the one through five now the guards are a lot different the guards are a lot different as far as speed goes the guards are a lot different they do a lot more Draymond came up in the air in this era of what he knows what the guard is going to do so while you might not be able to stay with a Kyrie all game you could definitely get him a little flustered and be able to slow the momentum down uh like a, a well I mean let's Draymond plays with one of the greatest point guards to play the game. So anything that he has to do on defense makes him easier to guard a point guard like that. Ben Wallace, no, and I love Chauncey Billups, but that's who he was playing with. You know what I mean? So when you play a defense, that was the style of play that Ben Wallace had to go against. So you knew what the guard was going to do. That's why I can understand why, why Ron Artest agrees that he's top five. Because he the uniqueness of the guards today, Draymond knows how they play. He knows exactly how they play. Back in the day, it was different. Unless you was Kobe or Allen Iverson um, from that second generation, like that other generation, not the Jordan era and, uh, with, the, with Isaiah Thomas and Magic and them, but that's why Dennis Rodman was able to do it so well. Because one, he had a high energy ratio. Like Dennis Rodman could just go. But you had Isaiah Thomas there. And Joe, Joe Dumars does not get, re- get credit for being one of the best defenders either. Joe Dumars was a great defender. Dumars used to give Jordan the flux. Back Joe in the Dumars day. was a great defender. So while I don't agree with Draymond when he says all time, I do not agree with that. I will say he's the best defender of this generation. I don't think there's a person better than Draymond that can guard one through five. Now, Draymond ain't no big shot blocker or nothing like that, like the Rudy Gobert's. Um, and even with Clay, uh, Clay. Can, Clay is a great defender, but Draymond can defend and then immediately turn it into offense. Clay can't. Draymond can defend, steal, get the ball up court, get the assist. Like Dylan said, he gets you a triple double without ever scoring. So <laughs> that's a unique player. So I, I will agree with him. I, I, I don't 
I, I, I agree that he is a best. He is one of the best defenders. It's just that generation of of where where we are now. Put him back in the day. I still think he competes. I still think he's a Rodman style defender, but I don't think he's comparable to anybody in that era. Yeah, like, so I think that that plays into like he's the most unique defender the NBA's ever seen. Where I I think you can switch Draymond with any player, and he's going to give you just as good as defensive effort one through five. Um, where I kind of want to play devil's advocate a little bit is so when you look at Draymond versus LeBron uh, in the finals. Those matchups with the Warriors were some of LeBron's best finals. You know, you look at his stats, he's putting up triple-double, averaging a triple-double, leading the finals in points, rebounds, steals, assists. When you look at Kawhi Leonard against LeBron James, he's locked up LeBron a couple times. So I think there's – I think you can make that conversation between Kawhi Leonard and and Draymond for this generation where – Draymond is the type of guy where if I'm starting a franchise, uh, I think I want to start with Draymond over Kawhi just because he's so versatile and he can give you so many different things and he is so unique and can guard one through five. But if I need, so if I'm building my team and I know I got to go stop LeBron James in the finals, I think I'm going to take Kawhi over Draymond just because what I know Kawhi has been able to do against LeBron in the past. And he and he fits that matchup just a little bit better. He does fit the matchup matchup better. Let me ask you this though, Dylan. Do you? When's the last time you seen Kawhi play great defense? Um, that defense that you're talking about, the the, the defense that I know he has played. But when is the last time you've seen it? Because I've seen it. Lastly, he was in a Spurs uniform. Uh, he had stretches of it in Toronto, but yeah, he's definitely changed a, a, a bit down the, down the stretch of his career, but I still think he is the type of guy that in a playoff series, if you need to, if you need a lockup guy in a playoff series right now, that's going to lock up the other team's best player. I still think I'm taking Kawhi over anyone in the, in the league. I agree with that, with the, with the locking up. I, I agree with that. I just think Kawhi has taking a back seat on the defensive end because uh, well, well, he's well, offense to, now I, that's what I was going to say to to that point he's more um his game is more a little bit more predicated on offense now whereas when he was starting out he was specialized in being a defender okay he might give you about uh 14 points a game now his offensive burden has increased so now that's going to take take off some of the uh energy he's going to exert on the defensive end and for whatever reason, um, and I do feel LeBron's best uh, playoff games were against the Warriors. Um, he's had some tremendous ones, and I know Draymond has guarded him. But Steve Kerr didn't stick with the game plan as much as Greg Popovich did. And I don't think Draymond would have shut uh, LeBron down in any means. I, I, don't, I don't think he would have. I just feel like, I guess because they put Iguodala on him more. Um, which Iguodala won that 2015 MVP, finals MVP, which was crazy because they act like Curry, uh, Curry just didn't play. I just 
I feel Curry was so disrespected not winning the MVP. No, the person that got disrespected was LeBron. LeBron about averaged a triple double. That we're, we're talking that about the person he should have won the MVP. But we're talking about yeah, the, LeBron, the winning team. LeBron yeah, should have won it, but I knew they weren't gonna let him. LeBron averaged almost uh, or did average a triple double, and they gave it to the dude that defended him. <laughs> and they gave yeah, the right. That's why, and that's what I'm saying. Like it's crazy that if you're going to pick an MVP from the winning team, you chose Andre Iguodala. And I was just like, okay, Brian's numbers were great for this finals. Well, how could – he was in conversation to win the MVP, finals MVP, even though they were going to lose. But you chose, like, Dylan, the guy who guarded him. And I just don't understand that. Um, but I just – for me, I guess I'm looking at it from the standpoint, Draymond ain't never had to take a backseat to defense because he's always only been defense. So from that regard, I always say, okay, I'm going to roll with Draymond, like Dylan said, to start the franchise. If I need a play, if I need a lockup, yeah, I might go with – I'll go with Kawhi. Overall, though, I'll still roll with Draymond because I'm like, okay, I know what he could do because switching is Draymond's thing. Switching is Draymond's thing. Boom, 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 let's switch. Kawhi, you give him a sight, put his sight on that person, he's going to do his job. I'm, I, now, it's interesting to see how – I haven't watched much of the Clippers this year, but he can kind of take a slight backseat on the offense because he has Paul George, and Paul George can still put up the numbers. I mean, the Clippers need a lot of help to get back to anything that they look like. Um, I know they were talking about possible trades for Lonzo Ball. That would help them tremendously on the defensive end, and that would help them give them an actual point guard. But I think for Draymond, it's just one of those things where that's all he's ever had to focus on is defense. So, Dylan, you talked about him being unique, and, I, and I, that's the best way to, to put it. That's what makes him – I think that's what gives him the thought process to say, hey, I could come out here and say this because I know I'm unique. Like, I know I can say this. But – and Draymond is strong as an ox. Like, for him to be that size, he is strong. But I just – I'll say generation of this generation versus of all time. I'll say that because it's a lot of disrespect when you say of all time. It's a, it's a lot of disrespect. And somebody said this real quick, Gilbert Arenas, Scottie Pippen. They always praise Scottie Pippen as one of the best defenders of all time. Scottie could not guard the guards today. Scottie Pippen would be benched immediately <laughs> trying to guard today's NBA. Because when Grant Hill came into the league, Scotty did not know what to do. He was in Grant Hill was supposed to be the LeBron James before LeBron James. When Scotty came, I mean, when Grant Hill came into the league and Scotty had to guard him, Scotty was just kind of looking like, y'all didn't tell me this was gonna happen. Now no one, nobody prepared me for this. Cause everything was one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. That was the way the NBA was in in the whole mindset of. But now, I mean, when Grant Hill came, it was that mix-up. It was three, two, four. Or four, five, six, or six. You know, what I mean? it was a different switch up. So, I I, I think Scotty gets a lot of well deserved defensive praise, but I also thinks he gets a lot of you know. So that's where we'll leave it there. Keenan or Dylan, do you have any other input on it? Uh, just uh, you know, Draymond terrorized me and a bunch of Michigan fans back when he was in college at Michigan State. Uh, I root for him as a, as a Michigander, as a fellow Michigan native. But uh, you know, as long as we're not talking about college Draymond, I'm fine with it. So that's all I gotta say. 
I can respect that. I can respect that. Can and I, I, I kind of agree with uh, Dylan there because, you know, being a Michigan fan also, uh, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I could also appreciate his game because I was like that year, I thought he was probably the, the best player in college basketball to his uh his senior seat was that a se- yeah that was a senior season and uh he just he he was playing on a whole nother level out there and uh you know to see him uh go from a second round pick to uh what, what they got three finals and uh you know multiple defensive uh all defense teams and everything uh he's from my wife's hometown of Saginaw you know so I'm I, I root for him now, and then he plays with Golden State, which is my favorite NBA team right now. So I'm I'm okay with him now. But yeah, I'm with Dylan. Yeah, he used to uh couldn't couldn't stand when they played Michigan. Yeah, and his senior year, they didn't really. That was Appling's freshman year, so they really didn't have a point guard, and he would just bring the ball up for him all the time. And it was trying to guard a six nine Draymond bringing the ball up the floor was the hardest one of the most frustrating things to watch too because there was just nothing you could do he and he could pass that's that's the thing that makes Draymond so unique he can pass just as well as a guard can so uh, yeah happy he's in the NBA and not uh, in the East Lansing anymore yeah I, I remember Magic said uh, I think Day Day was like his favorite player from MSU that that he's ever seen at MSU and it, that's high praise coming from Magic Johnson so yeah Draymond was that guy. And uh, since we bought the, I want to get into the NCAA real quick. Uh, before we do, I just got you. I want your guys' opinion on LeBron's injury. Um, obviously going out with an ankle sprain, and they say he'll be out at least three to four weeks. Uh, with the trade deadline being today, Dylan, I'll start with you. What needs to happen? What? Does the do the Lakers and Anthony Davis is already out, and we don't know exactly when he will return. But what LeBron going down like this? Uh, the does the Lakers have the right to press the panic button and try to do something drastic on today's the trade deadline, or do they kind of just play it cool, wait till they get both players back healthy, and continue on the path for a back to back championship? I think they'll be all right, uh, as long as he's back. Uh, I actually think when I looked at this last night, I think this actually fuels uh, a guy like LeBron a little bit more because, you know, recently he's been kind of upset that he's not getting the individual awards. I think he deserved Defensive Player of the Year last year. I think he deserved way more MVP votes last year. And I think he was on his way to an MVP this year. He was playing some of his best basketball he's played. And at his age, it's it's been uh, remarkable. So for him going forward, I think that just, you know, part of his greatness has always been that he doesn't get hurt. He takes care of his body so well, and he's always on the court. So the fact that we're now going to see LeBron recovery mode LeBron, uh, I think he's going to come back really hungry, and uh, I think he'll be all right. I I don't think – I do think the Lakers are going to end up uh, making a a move for a center at some point. I know they're they're not okay with uh, Marcus All at that spot. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe a, a deal for Drummond at this point might be something. If they're going to do something drastic uh, just to get them over the hump while LeBron and uh, LeBron and then AD are out, I think a, a deal for Drummond might be. Uh, but other than that, I don't think that they need to panic very much. 
Keenan? Uh, the, that, they look bad without LeBron being there. Uh, I, uh, I tuned in to him the other night. Um, I forgot who they were playing. Were they playing the – was that the Pelicans they were playing? I can't remember. But they, they just didn't look um, – yeah, they, they, they're missing LeBron big time. Um, I think him being out a month is going to be – it'll be beneficial for him. You know, he's playing at – what is his age, 36 year? Um, so I think this would be beneficial. He gets a little bit of rest. You know, that's not LeBron's MO because LeBron is very durable and has been his entire career. Um, he only missed like the majority of one season. And we're talking about 17 years of his NBA career where, you know, he's playing deep into the playoffs and everything. So for him to only have like one season where he had a major injury and for this now to be the second time, but you know, to sit out a month, I think it'd be good. LeBron probably still in the gym working out. He probably testing the ankle. Um, they do need to make a move because Gasol is basically giving them nothing. So I I could see them moving moving Trez possibly for uh for Drummond because I think well no the salaries won't match. So they'll probably have to move Trez and maybe a KCP or or Kuzma as well. But um, I wouldn't want to move Kuzma if I'm if I'm the Lakers because you're going to need that guy to come off that spark to come off the bench. But yeah, they are going to have to make a move. I don't know if Kyle Lowry is quite what you need. Um, it would be good to have a veteran presence, a steady veteran presence, uh, point guard to come off the bench. But I don't think that's what you need because Kyle Lowry's like 34, 35. So yeah, there's just a uh, stand pat. For the most part, but yeah, go out and get drumming. You need a big. Too bad y'all let uh Javel McGee slip through y'all fingers. Y'all could have, you know, got him. Y'all probably should have re-signed him. Um, instead of going out and getting Gasol because Gasol is really he's just a shell of himself now. So yeah, go out and get drumming. That's that's really what you need. Is you need a post um post presence. Drummond's not gonna really give you too much on a defensive end. We've seen that here in Detroit, but he will grab um a, a gang of rebounds so you know just having that that post and that paint presence there would be good for them so they'll be all right but um yeah they're they're absolutely missing lebron and ad so hopefully they'll be 100 percent and healthy and no lingering effects when it comes time for their uh playoff push and their playoff run okay um that's and before i get into uh my thoughts on it real quick we got a couple of wolves bombs um denver and Orlando are finalizing the deal to send Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets. Um, that's an interesting case for me because Aaron Gordon is a small forward, correct me if I'm wrong. Kind of a power forward, but yeah. Just some oh, okay. In but between, but in I, between the two. But yeah. I still thought, I don't know what they're going to do with Michael Porter. That's what I'm just a little curious about because Michael Porter is a good player. Now, I know he messed himself up by running his mouth, but he is a good player. Michael is, Porter is are, a very good player. Does Woj say who's uh, they're including in the trade? Nope. He said they're finalizing the particulars, um, but they said Nuggets are on the brink of acquiring Gordon. And then Washington Wizards 
They are trading Troy Brown and Mo Wagner to the Chicago Bulls for Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchins. So Chicago is really trying to do something. Um, Wagner can shoot. So um, he's been moved around a little bit since he's been in the league so far. But, I mean, that's the nature of the business. Um, I love those Wagner what, boys. Love those Wagner boys. That's right. That's yeah. right. Wagner, that's what it is. Appreciate that, Dylan. Um, but, no, to, to both of you guys' point, I agree there's no no time to press the panic button. I do have one small issue with LeBron, and it's very small, very, very small. As much as I love LeBron, I hate when he has to take rest like this versus just taking a couple of days off. I get it. I do. You're, you know, you got to go out there for your team with Anthony Davis being hurt and with the race being so tight in that top tier, for the Western Conference, I get it. Any any small slip up, boom, this is where we are. However, yeah, it was a freak accident. It, I mean, that can happen all the time. But I just feel like stuff becomes more significant when your body's just on go mode. Um, I do. I feel like stuff is more significant when your body's on go mode. And speaking of that, Walsh bomb is complete. Denver and Orlando Magic have agreed. To trade Aaron Gordon deal um, amongst players on the way to Orlando is Gary Harris. That is interesting. That is it. Now I I do okay because I didn't like the Gary Harrison and uh, uh, Jamal Murray situation. I didn't. I didn't like that together. I thought they were good, but they weren't good together. That's that's just my opinion on that. But. Um, yeah, yeah. I just hate when Brian has to take these these weeks off when it comes to this. I really do. Uh, players include Gary Hampton. I mean, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a first round pick to the Magic for Aaron Gordon. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah, the <laughs> that's Magic, a lot for Aaron Gordon. Yeah, the Magic got a lot for Aaron Gordon. RJ Hampton. Yeah. Was, RJ Hampton was a first round pick this year too. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's a lot for Aaron Gordon. But. I mean, hey, when you got people in the front office who know what they're doing, you can get those deals done. Kenny, what did I tell you? you told When you told me, uh, when we talked about Jordan Love, you said, well, they're not going to be able to move Jordan Love for the Packers. I said, well, it depends on how they sell it. You just got to have the mouthpiece to be able to come and do it. Yeah, that's 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 actual factual. But, you know, Gary Harris Jr. has uh, – he's been on the trade block for the past few yeah, years yeah. now. It seems like yeah. they've been trying to move him. The same thing with Aaron Gordon. Um well, you know, he finally came out and requested it, actually requested a trade and said he needed to change the scenery. It's just going to be interesting to see how uh, Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon play together because they kind of play uh, kind of like that the same position. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's going to be interesting. I mean, I think it'll be fine as far as uh, Jamal Murray and, um, and and my guy, the big fella, the Joker dude. But, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, – intriguing you know you gotta I guess I guess Aaron Gordon's a little bit more athletic than um than Michael Porter Jr but they they kind of play the same not quite the same game but there there's some similarities there so that's gonna be interesting I I think MPJ has just got to work on that three-point shot now and differentiate himself because Aaron Gordon's not gonna he 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 can hit the three ball, but he's not going to do it with consistency. And if Mike Porter Jr. can get that part of his game going, then they've got a good uh, little three, four. And then Porter Jr. can slide down to the four if they need him to. And last thing with the NBA, 
Um, like I said, I don't expect the Lakers to press the panic button. However, they are trying to, it ain't like they're not trying to go back to back. Um, you have slipped up and fallen in the fourth place. While that's not great, but it's not that bad because the Clippers are right above you, just a game, a half a game. Or uh, the Phoenix Suns are right there, three games behind, and then the Jazz are right there. But the Jazz have had some slippage um, because now they have 11 losses. So with the Lakers only having 16 losses, you know, that top, I would say that top five because Denver is improving. So that top five can go either way. So I do agree that they need to make a decision. Keenan? You know who the biggest losers are right now, though. The biggest losers is the Boston Celtics. They ain't did nothing yet. Like I said, they I like the four-year deal because they needed a shooter, but that's not that's definitely not fixing their problem. No, they need a big fella. Who, they need a big fella. Um, I don't I do agree that Kyle Lowry doesn't fit the Lakers because of his age, and all, but I think he would have fit if they didn't have Dennis Schroeder. Um, I think he would have fit. I think he'd have been perfect for them. Kyle Lowry to me, I will stand by this, needs to go to Philadelphia. They need a veteran point guard. They need somebody to take the ball out of Ben Simmons' hands so he can be more versatile. Um, Joel Embiid needs it for that pick-and-roll situation. Tobias Harris needs it. It, it. it really would suit them good to get Kyle Lowry because, yes, he's up in age, but even Chris – like how Chris Paul is helping Phoenix. Like, you just need – a young team like that, you just really need a veteran guidance like a Kyle Lowry to say, hey, calm it down. This is how we're going to run the offense. You know um, who else would be good there? Um, honestly, and, uh, Philly. Yeah. Um, oh, yep. But I doubt the team will move him. I could see like Goran Dragic or somebody like that being out there in Philly. You know, like you said, a good veteran presence. Um, somebody that can distribute the ball, but also you know set can get set up for uh, spot up threes and you know be a. Um, you know, a decent facilitator, but able to knock down those um, open shots. Yeah, and I, I just think if Kyle Lowry is going to get a change of scenery, um, it needs to happen. If Dallas was in a better position, I would say move him to Dallas. I would say help Luca get the ball out of his hand. Um, I would say, you know what I mean? It's just different situations where Luca is good at running the point. I think he's more better coming off that ball. Because Luca for his size, he moves around a lot. Um, he moves around a lot. So I don't I, I don't feel like Toronto will give Boston any help. I don't think they'll trade him to Boston. So I'm not worried about that. I don't even think they'll trade him to the East in the East, Eastern Conference. Um, so with that, like I said, I just think that's what needs to happen. I do agree with both of you. I don't think the Lakers need to press the panic button. I do think not to me. I, I will say this, though. If you get Drummond, it's like, ah, OK. I got him now, so you move Davis back to the four where he where he's more comfortable, where he likes to be, and he's more versatile. And you can still, I mean, if you could keep him, I guess you would keep him with Marcus All, but it's interesting to see because I think with Drummond there kind of clogs up things a little bit to me. I do. I think he he fits for this situation because Davis is not there, but once Davis gets back, I think Davis and Marcus All pairs together because they can both pass Mark Gasol is is definitely a great passing big man so um last but not least man leaving the NBA let's get into the NCAA 
We're going to end the show with this. We got the Sweet 16 teams that we probably none of us have picking in our brackets to make it to the Sweet 16. Uh, we're going to start with Dylan. Dylan. So Saturday, we got Oregon State at Loyola versus Loyola Chicago. We got Villanova versus Baylor. Oral Roberts versus Arkansas. Syracuse versus Houston. Out of that Saturday lineup, Dylan, who advances to the Elite Eight? Uh, so just first off, I love making a bracket every year and then immediately having it busted. Uh, of course. I, it, it, it's part of the fun. I, I, I know people actually get mad about it, but uh, like I actually love rooting for chaos in those first couple days. Once my, once my bracket is busted, I do not care at all about the upsets I want I want to see the upsets I want to see the madness I want to see 15 seed Oral Roberts get to the sweet 16 so this was one of the best first weekends of the tournament ever uh all the upsets Loyola Chicago up uh, upsetting Illinois Oral Roberts beating Ohio State I, I loved every second of it going to the sweet 16 matchups and by the way, just want to throw this in there. There is a very good women's basketball game going on this weekend. UConn and Iowa, the top two freshmen in the country, are, are going at it. Uh, Caitlin Clark is the best uh, top scorer in the country as a freshman. Uh, and if you haven't seen Paige Becker's play, she's a legit, legit baller. Um, but from the men's tournament side, I like Loyola Chicago. Uh, over Oregon State, and I even think they have a chance to make another Final Four. I think Houston's a weak two seed. Uh, Syracuse is Syracuse. You know, I think uh, Loyola Chicago can out defend Syracuse. I think Arkansas will uh, end Oral Roberts' streak. It's not, uh, you know, Sweet 16 is usually where those uh, double digit seeds get knocked off. I think that's where there's their Cinderella story is going to end. Baylor and Gonzaga have separated themselves. There's no doubt. I don't think that those teams are going to make it to the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Uh, if anyone beats Gonzaga, it's going to be an upset. This is not the Gonzaga of recent years. It, if you watch them, they have three legitimate dudes that can beat you by themselves. And Kispert, Timmy, and Suggs. Uh, I like I like USC. I like those Mobley brothers. I think that uh, Oregon scores a lot of points, but USC can also defend really well. I can't believe that they held Kansas to only 51 points in a in a round of 32 game. That was amazing. So I like USC to make it to the Elite Eight, uh, eventually getting bounced by Gonzaga. Uh, I was happy with my Michigan with my Michigan boys uh, against LSU. I was happy with the way that they scored without Isaiah Livers. I think losing Isaiah Livers was a big hit to the team, but I still think they can make it past Florida State. I'm way more concerned about that Alabama game. I think Alabama gets past UCLA, and they're going to be the ones that end Michigan's season in the Elite Eight. So uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend's games. I think a couple more upsets coming. I think we could see Loyola Chicago make their second Cinderella story run in uh, in like what two years, three years. So I'm 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 excited. This has been a lot of fun. I love the tournament time, and this has been one of my favorite tournaments so far. Kanan, who you got advancing? Uh, I want to go Loyola Chicago, but watching Oregon State. 
the past couple games, I think we undervalued the uh, the Pac-12 this year. They ha- they have really showed up and showed out um, in this tournament with uh, them USC with Oregon State, USC, Oregon, and UCLA. So my heart, I really want to go with Loyola Chicago, um, but. Uh, just looking at the underdog story with uh, Oregon State, I, I think they match up very well with one another. But Loyola is um, is a terror on defense. Uh, the metrics show it and everything. So I probably would pick Loyola. Um, but I think Oregon State, I think that's going to be one of the better games of the weekend as far as the Sweet 16 goes. Uh, Villanova, Baylor. Villanova don't have a point guard. Gillespie is out for the season. Baylor looks... Outside of, like Dylan said, outside of Gonzaga, Baylor looks like a complete team. The way they devastated Wisconsin, which Wisconsin is, you know, an up-and-down team throughout the season. But they just put a hurting on them, and I was I was impressed. And Baylor looks complete, so I would go with Baylor um, for that game. Arkansas, Oral Roberts. I want Oral Roberts to win just because it's Oral Roberts and, you know, seeing that 15 seed go uh, advance far. But uh, Arkansas has been playing pretty good ball. They're, they can be a little inconsistent going starting off games, um, and then they kind of, like, find their way in the second half of games. So I think Arkansas wins, but I am rooting for Oral Roberts. Uh, Syracuse-Houston, Buddy Bayheim has been a revelation. Buddy, the coach's son, son of Jim Bayheim, the uh, great Syracuse coach, but Houston, uh, Houston plays great defense. So does Syracuse. Syracuse is always known for their defense um, throughout the years. Uh, I probably would side with Houston, but I wouldn't be surprised if Syracuse pulled it off. Um, and as far as that that goes, um, in that part of the bracket, I want to say that is the uh, – which part is that? Is that the South? Yeah, that's the South. Um, as far as the South goes, Baylor should take it. And as far as the Midwest goes, I'm pulling for Loyola Chicago, you know, to take that one, um, to make their first final four in ages. Uh, as far as, uh, the rest of the bracket goes, Michigan takes on Florida state. I like Michigan, Shawnee Brown and, uh, Eli Brooks put on a heck of a performance against LSU. LSU uh, surprised me. I didn't expect them to look that good, but they did. And But they kind of faltered uh, down the stretch uh, a little bit. Um, so Michigan should beat Florida State, which plays a good defense. But Florida State's a little iffy on offense. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. So I think Michigan should pull that off. Alabama, UCLA, I've been watching UCLA with Johnny Jujang and, and Juarez, uh, UCLA is a lot of fun to watch. So if you haven't watched UCLA, please watch them. Uh, if you haven't watched Alabama, please watch them. So this game right here is a must-see game. I think we are going to see um, good ball played throughout. It's going to be a lot of points, high-scoring game. Even though UCLA plays good defense, you know, a Mick Cronin team always plays defense. But – uh. I like Alabama, and I agree with Dylan. Alabama is scary, whoo! And all they do is shoot the three, so they're like they're like the Golden State of, of college basketball right now. So, Alabama, uh, uh, I don't want to go against my team, but Alabama will probably go into the Final Four. Uh, Gonzaga, Creighton, 
Creighton hit my bracket pretty hard because I had UC Cal Santa Barbara in the first round. And then um, I was hoping that Ohio would knock off uh, Creighton, but Creighton's been killing it. Uh, but they're playing Gonzaga. Gonzaga is is the best team in college basketball, easily, hands down. Uh, Battle of the Pac-12, USC, Oregon, that's going to be a great game. Like you said, the Mobley boys, they out there, they out there balling. So I think I'm going to lean towards USC over Oregon, even though Oregon plays like positionless basketball. I'm going to lean towards uh, USC, but I'll probably have to go back and uh, review some footage of how they looked against one another. But, um, yeah, I think USC comes out that game and Gonzaga come out the West and Alabama will probably come out the East, even though I want Michigan to come out the East. So that's how I see it. Okay. Um, I like both of you guys' picks. And don't forget, uh, like Dylan said, actually, uh, there's a great uh, women's Sweet 16 going on as well. Um, that Iowa-UConn matchup is going to be something nice. Um, and then shout out to the Michigan Wolverines for the women's for getting to this part. And they've taken on Baylor. So that's going to be fun. And then I like that NC State-Indiana matchup as well. Um, I think, uh, Dylan, first of all, I, let me just say, you're tied for second in our company bracket. Um with uh Blake being number one, but we know Blake is out because he picked Illinois. So no matter what he does up until, from this moment on, he picked Illinois to win it all. So, um, but yeah, Dylan, even though I know the bracket is busted, you're still tied for second. Um, I am Keenan. I think you're tied for fourth. Um, I am definitely down at the bottom. Uh, I got a few solid picks left, but Gonzaga was the overall that was, you know, I had picked. So, it's going to be a, a fun weekend, man. Lots of basketball to watch. Lots of NCAA to get into. Once again, man, pre-Keenan, of course, always I preach. Oh, Keenan, before we end the show, I got some news for you. What's up? What's up? Hit me with it. The WBC orders Ryan Garcia and Javier Fortuna for the interim lightweight title bout. I know you don't like that. I don't like that at all. I know you don't like that, but he has to fight. He has to. He has to what? fight. He has to keep fighting. Wasn't Fortuna and Devin Haney supposed to fight at some point in time last year? They were supposed to, but I, I, I don't know exactly what happened. Um, and we, while you guys were giving your break, breakdown, um, we have a few Woj bombs, and we'll end the show with these Woj bombs. Um, Miami Heat is sending Mo Harkless and Chris Silva to the Kings. Uh, Philadelphia is acquiring OKC's George Hill and Tony Bradley. Terrence Ferguson and two future second-round picks. Austin Rivers goes to OKC as a part of the three-way deal. Toronto has traded Norman Powell to Portland for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. That really helps Portland out. So you know what that's telling me right there? That's telling me Lowry is getting moved today. Yeah, for sure. And and Portland kind of like had to trade Gary Trent Jr. because Gary Trent Jr. came into his own while uh CJ McCullum was out. He was he was playing, he was balling out of out of control. So yeah, that had to happen. I I think he's up for a contract. This is this might be a contract year. So uh yeah, they had to move him. But um yeah, Kyle Lowry is, is getting moved. That that's exactly what that deal tells me. And I'm sorry, that uh 
that Philadelphia deal, uh, well, OKC is a three-way deal with the Knicks. Terrence Ferguson is going to the New York Knicks as a part of the three-way deal. So Kyle Lowry definitely will be moved. We appreciate you for listening. Dylan, we appreciate you for coming on the show today. Enjoyed you. and You will definitely be back. Uh, no worries there. How did you like your first time on the show? Thanks, you guys. It was awesome. I loved every second of it. Uh, I love just talking sports, so I'm happy to come back on anytime. Absolutely. Keenan, as always, my man, appreciate you. This All is right. the TV Sports Radio Show. You can listen to this episode and every other episode on our website at tvsportsmag.com. That's tvsportsmag.com. Follow us on our social medias at underscore TV Sports on Twitter. On, on Instagram, on TikTok, LinkedIn, Tunnel Vision Sports, Facebook, Tunnel Vision Sports. We are everywhere. You can find us. We are here. We ain't going nowhere. This is the TV Sports Radio Show. We out.